Welcome to KNUK's Kind to Your Mind podcast. There's power in talking and here in this safe space, we talk openly about well-being in all its forms. Hello, I'm Blee. And I'm Emma. And in this episode, we talk to Leanne from EA Inclusion about all things microaggressions. We learn what they are, hear some real-life examples, and find out how best to navigate a conversation that involves them. Me and Emma took lots away from this episode, and we hope that you enjoy it too. I guess the first thing for me, this is a podcast about microaggressions. Would you mind explaining, sort of a high-level overview to anybody listening who's maybe not heard of that phrase before, what a microaggression is? Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to microaggressions, it sounds like this really big and powerful word and that it'd be so obvious if you ever saw one. But a microaggression is in the title, really, but it's it is a, a micro form of aggression and discrimination. So the, the majority of people around the world will have used microaggressions without even noticing that they've done it. So it could be, let's say, a statement, it could be an action, which is often indirect and also unintentional and might even come across as quite subtle for some. But it is a form of discrimination and it's against members of marginalised groups. So that could be such as racial or ethnic groups or minorities. It could be against people from the LGBTQ plus community, anyone with um, a protected characteristic, essentially. So examples might be um, one that I actually saw recently was you speak excellent English after someone who was perceived to be non-English had done a presentation and the response was, well, yeah, I hope so. I was born here. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow, OK. Um, it's one of those things that often is even often disguised as like a, a compliment. Mm-hmm. But if you look deeper, if you look into the connotations, when you say to someone, you speak excellent English or you speak English really well, what you're really doing is kind of highlighting the fact that you have noticed either that you have made an assumption that they're non-English or that they're, um, you know, there is a compliment to be said in that, in that case, which, you know, if you were talking to someone who you didn't, you weren't perceiving to be non-English, you wouldn't have made that comment at all. And it's funny because I was in, um, I was in Rome a few years ago and I was sat next to an American family and I was talking to them. And and a couple of minutes later, the, the guy said to me, you speak English so well and I remember just being taken aback and I just thought I don't know if he's joking or not and I made I, I said the same thing I was like well I hope so I'm, I'm English <laughs> and he was really embarrassed and we kind of laughed it off but it did sit with me a little bit and I thought well imagine how I would feel if maybe I was perceived to be non-English in and I wasn't in Rome I was like you know in my hometown or whatever um, and I don't think that that would really sit right with me but, but yeah, essentially microaggressions are those uh, those statements like I just mentioned, or it could be an action as well. So um, one of my friends actually came to the realisation that he uses microaggressions without realising as well. So kind of walking down the street, taking up a part of the pavement and not really realising that he's not making way for the women passing by. And, and it wasn't until his wife said to him, did you know that that woman just had to move out of the way so you could walk? And he was like, oh my God, no, I didn't, I didn't actually notice that. 
And I completely believe that to be true. I do think that people do that without recognising or without noticing all the time. But then it's what is the effect on the person who is, I'm not going to say victim of that microaggression, because that might be a little bit, uh, in some cases, absolutely yes. But in others, it's a case of, okay, what can we do to actually stop this? And what can we do to just recognise that this is what what we're actually doing? So I think that's... um... You know, when we think about what you've just said there about people say, oh, you speak really good English. So the person saying that, they're probably thinking they're giving you a compliment. But actually, yeah. like you just said, how does it make the other person feel? And then like not moving out the way a little bit, walking down the pavement. These are things we don't even think about. But if we've got the self-awareness and we're kind of like people listening to this podca- podcast today will have that little bit more sort of, education on what microaggressions are microaggressions are mm-hmm. kind of makes you think outside the box a little bit being more self-aware and think actually that the things I say and the way I behave you know do affect other people yeah I, it's not to make anyone feel guilty about those things either because like I said most of us do these things especially you know with no ill intent or anything like that and I'll say something really embarrassing now because I I recognized um six seven years ago when I first got with my partner um I realized I was using microaggressions with my partner and I didn't even realize so just to set the scene a little bit so my partner's Bulgarian and has lived in the UK since 2015 like kind of taught herself English um didn't really have many resources to do that either just kind of bought English books watched English programs or American actually so she still uses American words like trash and diaper which annoys me but (laughs) that's another story um but anyway yeah so when we first got together she'd say certain words in like a different in a different way or like kind of put the emphasis on different parts of the word And I would say to her, I love how you say that. Can you say it again? Or I'd say, oh, that's so cute. Can you say it again? And then I went on my first microaggression training session. And after that, I was like, oh, my God, I've been doing this. (laughs) So I kind of said to her after I said, do you not like it when I do that? And she was like, well, it it does make me feel a little bit like, you know, it it feels a bit patronizing at times. And I was like, I am so sorry. But again, I didn't know I was doing it. I thought it was in my silly head a compliment I'm calling her cute who doesn't want to be cute well I'll tell you who doesn't want to be cute someone who's trying to make it in a country that's different to their own and trying to be taken seriously yeah absolutely that's a very interesting point because you thought you were almost being affectionate there with your sort of compliments but actually you were you you weren't I mean I don't want to take it back too much of a step here but why are microaggressions bad is it just because it's slightly belittling I think it it depends on what the microaggression is. It could be that it's belittling and patronising, such as you speak English well, or, um, oh, that's really cute. Can you say that again? (laughs) Or it could be that it's it's kind of making assumptions about a person's identity. So things like, oh, where are you really from? Or it could be that it's completely based on a really, um, you know, for example, a heteronormative approach. I get this a lot, which is who's the man in the relationship and who's the woman in the relationship. Mm. So it's it's those things that for me, when I hear that as the person who's on the um, the kind of marginalized group of that scenario, it makes me feel like, well, why does it have to be that they, those are the roles that it's coming from a very, like I say, heteronormative kind of assumption 
and it almost makes me feel as though you don't take my relationship seriously then because that's that's not what we are we're two women you know that's the whole point you wouldn't ask a pair of chopsticks which one's the fork so that's kind of where I where I come from with that it's not it's not like for like and some of those microaggressions can even make a person feel as though um that you know the person using that microaggression is maybe feeling superior or there's there's that kind of underlying point of whoever's got the power in terms of we know that there's um things like systemic racism through history so if a person's been asked um where are you really from it's almost that underlying bit of oh, okay it's still a them and us situation or it's you know it, it it can often feel as though you're being excluded from what's seen as quote unquote the norm it's interesting you've got me thinking now about how i communicate with my partner for people listening and maybe for myself even what would be some tips you know to try and navigate the language you use and the way you say it because I like to think I'm very empathetic but obviously I'm probably not perfect <laughs> I think it's a really good question because you know it's it's all well and good kind of recognizing when you're doing it but then how do you actually stop that and it it's almost like whenever you're trying to form a new habit it doesn't just come overnight it takes time I like to refer to it as like the elastic band approach if you let go of an elastic band it just goes back to its natural form so it's a journey first of all so um, I would say listen to listen to different communities listen to you know people who maybe you don't have that much experience in talking with for example one of the things I do um, often is and it's not for everyone but I follow diverse creators on like social media but I do that for a number of different reasons but when I follow diverse creators I get to see a little bit into their lives their day-to-day struggles potentially and kind of just their lived experiences and I then get to understand how better I can be an ally so you know it might be that I think I'm doing something really well like you know giving compliments for example or being curious but actually it could be seen as being a microaggression or it could be seen as again a little bit of like an exclusion almost and it's not something that I or anyone else I'm sure ever means to do but that's definitely one of the things I would I would say I would also say be mindful of just the connotations of our our words so you know think about our own perspective where what kind of place are we coming from so when a person asks me for example who's the man in the relationship as I said there's no ill intent there but where are you coming from in that in that mindset and you know even if you're just meeting someone for the first time and you're getting to know them rather than saying do you have a husband? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend, wife, whatever? Use partner. Just think about those like more inclusive terms, not making any assumptions, like making assumptions about um, either a person's sexual orientation or even their race, ethnicity, those sorts of things. Until we know, we you know, you know what they say about making assumptions. Um, <laughs> but as I said about the connotations. <laughs> Even just little bits of language that might we might have like you know grown up with, for example, someone said to me the other day, um, "Oh, what kind of reasonable adjustments do I need to put in place for a colleague who's wheelchair bound?" Does that phrase sit right with you? I mean, it might just be a phrase that you've heard, but what are the connotations of being wheelchair bound? So for mm-hmm. me, that sounds very much as though um, we're saying that that person's trapped, or we're kind of 
disabling that person even more just through our language rather than just being factual and saying they're a wheelchair user or whatever that person prefers because that's the other point is that everyone will have their own preferences for example i i don't like to identify as being queer but i know a lot of my friends would much prefer to be called queer so it's just about getting to know people's preferences as well and the last thing i would say on that one is being mindful of of the history as well so that might take a little bit of research. It might also just mean, you know, jumping on some of these podcasts, jumping on some webinars, just, you know, educating yourselves a little bit more in terms of where some of these things come from. So an example of this might be if you were to ask a, a black woman, for example, oh, can I touch your hair? It's great. It looks lovely. That really does come with some quite heavy history. So, you know, and, and sometimes people just go for it without permission as well. There's there's a great book actually called um, Don't Touch My Hair. Well, you know, the history of black hair is it's complex, it's diverse, it's, it's actually a really integral part of, of black culture, identity, expression, etc. But it's also a source of oppression. So it should be it shouldn't just be used as a throwaway comment or an action. Um, and it's just it's just getting to grips with some of those things, which again, takes time. I was thinking as well, with regards to diversity and inclusion, I think it's it's so important, like the conversation we're having today, to kind of raise awareness, but to also talk amongst our peers about it, because okay. there's so many different topics that come under it. A lot of people might think, oh my gosh, I, you know, I don't know what I can say, what I can't say, I don't want to offend people. And there's so much awareness around, you know, how we behave, what we say, how we cannot um, sound like we're pigeonholing people, that kind of thing. A lot of people might get quite nervous hearing, you know, you've got to think about what you're saying and that. So I think to have conversations, which we can do in our huddles here at KM, because we've got pain care, we have regular huddles on that. So these are the type of conversations where we can talk openly about it, where people can say, you know, I feel a bit nervous about offending people there's so much we've got to think about nowadays which we didn't before but we're getting so much more awareness so to keep conversations open and to kind of put people's mind at ease that nobody's kind of be going to be penalized if they say the wrong thing because i think it can invoke a bit of worry like people if they think oh i don't want to offend someone i'm scared i'm going to what do i say yeah Um, and that's so natural as well is that almost that fear of being cancelled of being seen as someone who's uninclusive whilst trying to be inclusive yeah and it is a fine balance you're right and actually that would be my number one tip which is communicate and share some of those feelings share some of those thoughts when it when it comes to inclusive language because a lot of people will ask you know what is the difference between inclusive language and political correctness because a lot of the time people will say that it's the exact same thing and the simplest way of saying the difference between the two is that Political correctness is an externally driven concept of basically someone telling you, you can't do this, you can do this. And it's that, it, like I say, it's externally driven. It's it's that being told what you can and can't do and, and adhering to that essentially through fear of not offending exactly what you've just said, Emma. But in terms of inclusive language, that is, it has to be internally driven. Do I want to be more inclusive? Yes, I do. Sometimes you might not know how to do that. And that's where you might need to have those conversations to get curious. You might even just say, I'm really sorry. I'm not sure what the right phrase is. Can you help me out here? 
because if you are on the start of your learning journey and someone else is you know a little bit more ahead there's nothing wrong in asking that question you're doing that in order to better your own understanding um and and even if you make mistakes i think one of the key things i always say and this this goes to everyone really is to also offer forgiveness which can be difficult especially difficult if you are part of that marginalized group. But if you can see someone has made a genuine mistake, they want to get better. I mean, when I, whenever anyone makes a mistake in front of me and I can see that they're trying, I will always offer them that bit of education and say, oh, that, you know, what you've just said there, um, did you know? And I'll just say it in a little bit of a, you know, a kind way. Did you know that this is where it comes from? Um, it might be more inclusive to use this word instead. I do know that you had no bad intentions at all when you said that. So just kind of reassuring that person. Um, yeah. But yeah, communication is key, essentially. Communication is definitely key. I mean, I'm probably pretty early on in my learning compared to yourself, Leanne. Um, but the assumption, not making assumptions and choosing my language more carefully are two things I'm definitely conscious to do, you know, using they and words like partner that's two very very easy things to just sort of it's take a little bit of time to make that change but now it's yeah that would be the first those are the first words I sort of choose and I think feel like I'm sort of making that change and that rubber band isn't quite going straight back to the uh to that's you good know, to he or she and and that sort of stuff so yeah it, it's a journey but I think anybody can definitely make steps and those little things like you say, I think if people can see that you at least try and that makes makes a bit of a difference, doesn't it? Uh, there's a question, an interesting question came up when I was talking to people about doing this podcast. And it's sort of how could you check somebody's behaviour if they're maybe being microaggressive or maybe a little bit more than microaggressive? How would you sort of check their behaviour without feeding their narrative? So, for example... I'm on I'm on the autistic spectrum. I've got uh, Asperger's, and people often say you don't come across. You're not that autistic, or you know you don't come across as it. That's microaggression, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but then, I mean, for me, I've had it all my life. Well, since I was diagnosed, I've had that yeah. phrase thrown about. How would I then say to them, you know, that's potentially a microaggression? How would I sort of bring that up and check their behaviour? Well, I think the first thing is you. I suppose you, you can always use that word microaggression as part of like the education piece. But in order for someone to understand that what they've said isn't the most inclusive, you wouldn't even necessarily need to use that word. Um, the way I would I would approach that personally is, again, because um, what they're trying to say, I imagine, is, again, a compliment. Mm -hmm. You don't seem like this in, in their minds, thinking about their perspective like this. Um, bad thing that you've just talked about because what they've just done there is is taking what you've said about being um, on the autism spectrum and taking it to mean something bad so because they've said oh you don't seem that you don't that almost feels as though and I I'm making assumptions on your part here but like oh does that mean that you think that because I have that that is a bad thing so I would I would start off by saying I know that you didn't mean to to say that um I didn't I know that you didn't mean it in this way but when you say that um it we kind of use this uh, non-violent communication and it's a four-step process the first step is like kind of spotting what you've observed so when you say this this is that's the first step um 
it might it sometimes makes me feel a little bit this is the second step talking about feelings it might make me feel as though um you're referring to uh autism or um people on the autism spectrum as being bad or being negative um also I can see that you're you know you're, you're kind of basically saying or you're trying to compliment me there um but did you know that there are so many different kind of layers and there's so many different symptoms there's so many different ways in which people with autism might show up in the world essentially but then the, you come into like the, the learning part of that so the reason why um you know this might make me feel like this is because xyz so you might say um you know actually there are some I, I like to call them superpowers that come with lots of different neurodiversities did you know that people with autism are uh, more likely to be xyz I mean I I have ADHD so I talk about my superpower of getting into hyper focus mode and reaching deadlines that should be impossible those sorts of things are my um superpowers and it might just expel some of those feelings for that person of this thing is bad or is negative um but the final step and this is arguably the most important is what you need from that person moving forward so um again i understand that that was a well-intended comment however um i'd prefer if you just recognize that there are different layers of of what that might look like or that there are many different benefits that also come with different neurodi uh, neurodiversities, et cetera. The other thing is, is um, it can often be much more powerful when you're an ally in that situation. So just another really quick example of what a microaggression might be. Let's say you're in a meeting room and there's only one woman in that meeting room. And every time that group gets together, it's the woman that's asked, oh, do you mind going and getting the 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 coffee order do you mind taking the notes like those admin bits or those bits that are seen as less important remember the connotation so you know that person regardless of whether this is the intention will feel as though okay so my presence isn't as important as everyone else around the table sometimes what's much more powerful is if one of the people as an ally so in that situation one of the men would say actually uh, sue or whoever it is um took the coffee order last week so i think i think it's someone else's time turn this time around or they took the the minutes last meeting i don't mind taking them this time so it's kind of just standing up for that person or if you can see someone's being interrupted return to the interrupted and say that's a really great point but this person was just speaking here just finish do you mind finishing off what you were saying because a lot of the time it's these things like I say that people don't realize they're doing but they're cutting people off or they're making people feel less important again without the intention but it's still there yes yeah, so it's being supportive isn't it and just being aware and I think when we learn about you know microaggressions the more we kind of do you know research upon it and become aware the more yeah. we'll be able to spot them, the, the better we'll become at becoming an ally and you know, we'll spot these things and we can be there for the yeah. people that need it. And I just think it's been a really, really interesting conversation. And I think that is the key point here is to talk about it, to you know, have these conversations because there is so much to think about. And it is, you know, it has been really educational for me. And even, you know, I think we spoke about today, I will just Google. I'll have a look and say, and have a look at examples because, like you say, there's probably so much on there, and, I, and it will just give me that little bit more knowledge to be that bit more aware, which will make a difference to other people and help me 
to to be better in in my communication skills and just to think a bit more outside the box and and how I just go about my day-to-day lingo, how I can make people feel more comfortable and ultimately as well not to accidentally offend anybody. Yeah, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Emma. And remember, you know, not to be scared of those conversations. Inclusive language comes from within. So I would imagine that 99% of us do want to be inclusive. So try and steer away from using that term political correctness. You can't you can't say this anymore. You'll be can't just if you're thinking to yourself constantly, I want to include people you're going to do the right thing. You're going to have those inclusive conversations. You're going to ask questions for the right reasons. Yeah. I want to include people. That's a good phrase. Good phrase yeah. to have in the back of your head when you're, <laughs> when you're approaching these conversations. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really insightful. I've um, really very enjoyed well. it. Thank you as well. No, I've really enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's been a great conversation and some really good questions in there as well. Actually ones to to make me think a little bit and, um, what would I do in that situation? Because I I'm, I might be an expert on some of these topics, but I'm not an expert on all different walks of life. No one is. So, you know, again, just, just being mindful that not one person can really speak for everyone. And it could be a case of asking that person, in, you know, um, who you're talking to specifically, what do you prefer? And what a great piece of advice to end on that is. Now, just before I sign off, I'd just like to say a final thank you to our guest, Leanne, and to my co-host, Emma, and quickly remind you that if you want to get involved in a future episode of this podcast, then you can do. Simply email uk.wellbeing at kuna-nagel.com and we will get back to you to arrange a recording. That's all for now, and I'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>